Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Movie Digest. I'm JQ. And I'm Finn. Uh, this week's top five is going to be top five snow-based movies because of the weather outside. So, unless you've been living in a Chinese pipe this week, you'll know that the entire country did what it does best when faced with some snow and the whole of the UK ground to a halt. Yep. Yeah, it really totally does my box in. It drives me out the world. It's just my Charlotte School was closed this morning. And it's just like, they closed it last night. So they didn't even bother to check what the roads were like. The roads were fine this morning. Most yeah. people walked to school. So unless the teachers and all that are in a different town. Oh. I'm of the opinion, seriously, if the Nazis wanted to really mess us up during the war, all they needed to do was drop fake snow over the entire country. Because <laughs> bombs and Blitzkrieg are absolutely no bother to us Brits. Snow Creek. Yeah, we'll keep calm and carry on like it's a Tuesday morning, but see when we're faced with some frozen rain. It's an entire mm. empire brought to its knees. Yeah, it's it's absolutely pathetic. Well, there's that, and your Facebook feed is full of nothing but Instagram pictures of frozen cars and snowmen. I think and I've made a conscious effort not to put any pictures of snow on there. Me too. Or parks covered in snow. Hashtag winter wonderland. Yep. Hashtag white, <laughs> hashtag snow. I had to try and explain to my mum on the weekend what a hashtag was. So I said, you've got to search. If you want to search for something, it's got a, it should have a hashtag on it. So she's like, oh, do I write the word hashtag? Or do I just put hash in it? No, no, don't need to worry. Oh, bless parents and technology. <laughs> but anyway, in light of that, our top five films this week are films with snow. Well, snow is a plot device. More snow than just like plot Home Alone where it's in the snow. Yeah, or it's not in your top five, is it? No. <laughs> uh, do you want me to go first, or you can go you... first if you like? Okay. Uh, so number five for me is Fargo. Okay. It's probably my favourite Coen Brothers movie. Uh, what other ones have they done? Did they do they did... Um, the one with George Clooney where he's a escape convict in the twenties? Was that them or was that the other brothers? Yeah, that was them. Uh, oh, brother, where yeah. are they? Yeah, that's theirs. Who's the ones that does like Dumb and Dumber? Are they Farrelly Brothers. Right. Okay. There's not an easy no? set of brothers to get mixed up. <laughs> you might as well get mixed up with the Wachowski brothers. No, they, they've done like No Country for Old Men, Raising Arizona, True Grit. Uh, but Fargo, I, I just think is hysterically funny and it's superbly acted. Uh, Frances McDormand won the Oscar for her role as Marge Gunderson, who's the main character, you know, the pregnant police chief. Is it in Canada? No, it's set in uh, mini Minnesota. Right. Minneapolis in Minnesota, is that right? Or is it just Minnesota? Remember them state? having strange accents. Yeah, they do. Right. It's, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. right. It's, kind of, it, it's one of the last states before you cross the border into Canada. So it's very uh, far north. Boot. Yeah. Right, okay. But it's got a great cast. There's Francis McDormand, William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, Peter yeah. Stormare. Yeah. It's a great cast. It's, I think I've only seen it once. Is it the one where the guy gets stuck in the shredder? The woodchipper. Woodchipper, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Number four for me, uh, The Shining. Okay, yeah. One of my favourite all-time horror films. It's so claustrophobic and genuinely quite unsettling. Have you, have you seen it before? I've, I've watched it. I think I've only got three quarters of the way through. I remember getting up to the bit where the old woman's in the shower coming out of it going... Ugh. So that's one of the scenes that I yeah. always find quite unsettling. Yeah. And also there's a scene where Jack Nicholson's kind of wandering the halls and he just happens across this open door of, a, of another hotel room. 
uh, and he looks inside and there are these two characters there. One of them's in like this uh, dog dressing up costume. Right. It's just like... I don't it, remember that. They, they both, the two people that are in the room both stop and just turn around slowly <laughs> to look at him. Freaky. Oh man, it freaked me out. The only films that have done that for me, like not just scary, but like mm. genuinely unsettled me was that scene from The Shining, Alien, uh, pretty much the whole movie yeah. with Alien and the, the Blair Witch Project, you know, at the end when they, they go downstairs and the guy's standing um, in the Event corner. Horizon. Is, is that the one with Sam Neill? Yeah, that's pretty... I've not seen that for years, actually. I can't really remember that's that one. I need to check it out. Yeah, and Jack Nicholson's at his absolute best. I, I, I get the feeling, though, seeing The Shining, you know when he goes mental towards the yeah. end? That's probably what he's like in real life. Yeah. And the bit where he's having to act <laughs> is at the start of the movie when he's trying to be calm and... Is there any Oscars sane. for that? Do you know, I don't know. It, it must, must have done. It must has have Kubrick done. got any Oscars? He must have done. Yeah. Yeah, he must have done. He was always very well regarded. And mm. the thing that I like most about Kubrick, I didn't like him that much when I first started watching films, but yeah. I kind of really grew into him is I like directors that try and do different things. Yeah. And Kubrick's, you know, he's done like a war movie. He's done uh, science fiction and stuff like that. Ne- never got to the end of, uh, what's um, that war movie he did in Vietnam? Uh, Full Metal Jacket. No, I'm thinking the other one, Apocalypse Now. He didn't do that, did he? No, that no. was Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> I never got to the end of that one. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket's great. I didn't really like uh, Apocalypse Now, but I think that's because I made the mistake of watching The Redux, ah. which is about six weeks long and just, uh, it was quite dull. Yeah. I didn't really get it. So uh, the, he did Full Metal Jacket. He did Doctor Strangelove, yeah, Spartacus, yeah. uh, Lolita, 2001 Space Odyssey yeah. as well. That's good. Number three for me, The Thing. Ah, okay, yes. Absolutely love The Thing. It's one of my favourite, for me, like one of the best horror movies of all time. For those of you that haven't seen it, the basic premise is there's kind of like this parasitic alien that infiltrates an Antarctic research station and starts to take the appearance of whichever researcher it absorbs. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's absolutely terrifying. And I think so much of that is to do with the psychology of the movie because you're constantly wondering which one of the group have been infected yeah. because you can't tell until you know the aliens push to within an inch of its life that it will it will burst out of the yeah. human and kind of go crazy and stuff. I remember watching that when I was about eleven or twelve on a tiny little black and white telly, just remembering the the guy's head falling off and turning into a spider. And going, <laughs> this was brilliant. The special effects in that. I think are just incredible. Like even to this day, I'd much rather watch something that's real special effects rather than CGI. Yeah, it's difficult because you watch special effects from the original thing and you can see it's a puppet more or less. And you watch special effects from the latest thing. They look great, but you can see that they're computer generated and you can see it doesn't quite, they don't quite composite it quite right in the scenes. So yeah. No, it's, so you know, they're both not real, but I think puppetry is better than CG. By far, I'd oh, I'd much rather go for, for mm. puppetry and animatronics than uh, than CGI. I just think it adds to the tension and the drama. And also, uh, Kurt Russell has got one of the greatest all-time movie beards in that film as well. <laughs> it's a very impressive beard. Sensational beard. Number two for me, Let the Right One In. Not seen that. One of my favourite films of all time. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, uh, to go by its its proper name, Lat Din Ratacoma In. French. Uh, <laughs> Swedish. Swedish. It's a 2008 romantic horror film from Sweden about this 12-year-old boy, Oscar, who befriends a 12-year-old girl who we discover very early on is a, a, actually a vampire. Oh, nice. See, the thing for me, growing up, vampires in the films that I saw growing up were completely badass. Yeah. So you had like Dracula, The Lost Boys, Near Dark from Dusk Till Dawn, Blade. Yeah. All amazing. Yeah. But now, thanks to, you know, books and TV shows and films like Twilight, True Blood, Vampire Diaries, Underworld, 
vampires are to me presented in the campest and trashiest way possible mm. and it's fetishized the sexy part so they're no longer badass in my yeah. opinion gary and oldman or what's the geezer from twilight robert patterson yeah who do you think is going to make a better vampire <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly or wesley snipes as well yeah he's, when he's not avoiding taxes <laughs> he's avoiding garlic <laughs> But that's why I let the right one in is so good for me because it doesn't focus on the glamorous side at all. Mm-hmm. And it actually doesn't really, for me, focus overtly on the horror, although there's plenty of gore and horror in it. Yep. It's the same reason why I love movies like E.T. and Jaws. It's because they're not predominantly movies about an alien or a giant shark. Well, E.T. for me is about divorce and Jaws for me is about the pressures of being a family man and right. looking after your family and stuff. Talking about Jaws, did you see in the news today about that guy that wrestled a shark? No. There's a guy in, um, he's on holiday uh, in Australia and there was a sh- two metre long shark swimming towards him where the toddlers <sighs> are swimming and he ran out into the water, grabbed it by the tail and took it further out to sea. Oh my goodness, yeah, what crazy. a hero. Yeah. But yeah, but that, that's why I love like E.T. and Jaws so much and that's why I love Let the Right One In so much. Mm-hmm. To me, it's more a story of friendship and about childhood and growing up and the vehicle just so happens to be that it's about vampires. And it's just, it's stunning. Like, it's beautifully shot. The performances from the two kid actors yep. in it are absolutely fantastic. And uh, if you've never seen it before, I implore you to watch the original Swedish version rather than the decent enough but essentially pointless US remake. Yeah. And uh, number one for me, best movie about snow ever, Groundhog Day. Ah, okay. Bill I Murray. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Bill Murray, that's all I've put. <laughs> um, Ned? <laughs> Bill Murray to me is like cheese. Bill Murray will instantly improve any movie just by being it. The yep. same way that cheese, for me, improves any meal when added to it, regardless yep. of, of what the ingredients are. But he's one of only two actors in the entire world that I would literally watch in anything. The other one for me would be Paddy Considine. Hmm, interesting. He's just been superb in any film I've ever seen. Have you ever seen a Submarine? No. Oh, it's worth watching. <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing film, but it's worth watching just for Paddy Considine's character in that. Groundhog Day is just such a simple premise, but mm. it's so brilliantly executed. And the writing's amazing. It's written by Harold Ramis. Yeah. Is he actually in it? No, he's not in it. I remember him being in the start of one film and thinking, oh, he got fat. Uh, the, the thing that I saw him in most recently, in Knocked Up... He plays Seth Rogen's dad ah, okay, yeah. in the diner scene. Yeah. And he looks like the man who's eaten Harold Ramis <laughs> now, rather than the kind of gaunt uh, oh. man that we saw playing Egon yeah. in Ghostbusters in the 80s. <laughs> but it, it, it's so well written that, like, although Bill Murray's character at the start mm. is like an absolute bell end, yeah. you, you're genuinely rooting for him as, as the movie goes on. And his, I don't know, salvation or whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. The, the transformation that happens yeah. during the movie uh, just seems incredibly genuine and you're totally thrilled for him at the end and it had the potential to be quite cheesy at the end of the movie I think but yeah. it doesn't come across like that at all I loved it when he started um, trying to kill himself yeah, yeah. The toasters in the bar. <laughs> car crashes loads of stuff and where he's trying to save the homeless man as well it's a bit touching I remember reading something online, which was uh, someone had tried to figure out how long he was stuck in that. Yeah, day. I was just thinking that because he was he learnt how to play the piano and everything else so. to to concert level. Yeah. So if you, if, I think they said something like it, it, it's about eight years or something Jeez. at least to get that. So that's how long he's been living in that day is right. probably something between eight and ten years that's or something. A long time to to live the same day over and over. <laughs> So that's my top five snow films. What about nice. you? So my top five snow films. Well, number five, I haven't actually seen. 
<laughs> but, but I enjoy the premise of it. So it's something I want to see. It's called Dead Snow. Oh, I have seen that. Uh, is it any good? No. Oh, because <laughs> I like the I like Nazis and zombies, like the you know the um what's it um, Xbox games Call of Duty. Oh, Call of Duty. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kill zombie Nazis. Um, yeah. So I, I, I was in a, a Nazi zombie film. I, I've seen the trailer with you in it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I was in this uh, when I was a, a student in Glasgow. I um, was an extra in a film called Outpost that was filmed in Glasgow, about two thousand and six, I yeah. think it was. Did you have um, a speaking part? I didn't, but there were quite a few cool scenes that I got to be involved in. So there's, there's one where I get injected in the neck, nice, with a, a serum, and there's another one where I get shot in the head <laughs> from point blank range, which was pretty cool. Nice. I had like a projectile sellotape to the bottom of my back which spurted blood at the ah, wall from when the gun was fired and nice. stuff that was so cool a friend of mine's dad was an extra in a fairly famous wars film i can't remember what it was but he his, he said his dad died twice on screen <laughs> 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 so that's dead to know so i don't need to bother watching that then nah no. okay right number four was cliffhanger <laughs> <laughs> goodness me i haven't seen that in years that's a great film it's just because he got the guy from eastenders i can't remember his name craig fairbrass is in it and he's just the, the token English guy. And at one point he goes, shut it, you slag. <laughs> I just enjoy it just for that moment. Number three, Empire Strikes Back. The that's Ice kind Planet. of stretching the rule oh, slightly no. because there's only, the part, there's only part of the film that's set in a snow. But yeah, it's an, it is integral to the plot, I suppose, yeah. at the start, isn't it? It's an awesome film where, especially when he's, um, you know, hanging upside down, he's got to get the lightsaber out of the ice and he cuts open the gongan and sleeps inside it all that sort of stuff is crazy uh number two is the thing again yeah so, good choice and then number one i'm surprised you didn't have this in your list die hard too yeah because if uh, it wasn't for the snow then the planes could land safely <laughs> true so, true yeah it's just a, i think that's probably my favorite snow uh, film to do with snow because if you didn't have the snow you couldn't take over the thing you couldn't like crash the planes on purpose and all that sort of stuff so there you go, there's my top five snow movies. Very good. So let's move on to movie news. So the big news for today, which you may not have heard of, Mr. Michael Winner has passed away. No way. Yeah, liver cancer, I think it was. He of Calm Down, it's just a commercial exactly, thing. Exactly, yeah. That's literally all I know him from. <laughs> I mean, that's, he's always, whenever he was interviewed, he's always Michael Winner, director of... Death Wish. Death Wish, yeah. Always Michael Winner, director of Death Wish. I think that's all he's done apart from those TV commercials. And bad restaurant reviews. Yeah. So he's passed away. Yes, the Batmobile sold for $4.2 million in America. The original 1963 car. Oh, Adam West's Batmobile. Okay. Yeah, the actual one. Apparently the guy who built the car for the show bought it after the show had finished and been and has owned it for the last 40 or 50 years. No already. way. He's 87 now, so he's decided to sell it for $4.2 million. <laughs> Which is crazy. Apparently, they bought it four weeks before filming started. He got got the car for a quid. No way. Like a scrappy. And then they spent $15,000 doing it up with all the Batmobile stuff and everything else. And now he's just sold it for millions. It's a good return on your investment. I seriously doubt I get that kind of money for uh, my <laughs> first car. And um, apparently, J.J. Abrahams has bought the rights to a Lance Armstrong film. So no matter what the film's going to look like, you're going to, you're going to, I can imagine the trailer, if the bike comes past, lens flare lens goes flare. the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite interesting. Have, have you seen the um, the interview with Oprah? I've seen bits and pieces of it. You've never seen anyone less remorseful? No. 
he's talking about himself in the third person. Yeah. Like it's some other person that did that. It's just like, oh, come on. When it got to the bit where she said, would you like to compete again? Yeah. He essentially said, of course, I'd love to compete. And I know people might not agree with this, but I think I deserve it. What? I was like, what? <laughs> he doesn't deserve anything. He needs a reality he a life. He deserves a, a lawsuit. I read somewhere that there's a time frame for um, suing someone after they've lied or something like that. So it's probably times it. So it's just after that. So I, I think he's been clever about it. There's not. As it genuine. was definitely tactical. There's oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's no remorse in what he, nah. in what he did. The most annoying thing for me that's come out of Lance Armstrong uh, coming out, so to speak is that the film Dodgeball is now forever tainted for me. Dodgeball? Dodgeball, the Vince Vaughn comedy. Is he in it? He's in it uh, towards the end where Vince Vaughn is the captain of the Dodgeball team, but the pressure of playing in them is getting too much for him. So he kind of bails on his team and he runs into Lance Armstrong and Lance Armstrong gives him a huge big pep talk. Uh, and an injection in the ass. <laughs> well, we can only speculate as to what's happened there, but that'll be forever tainted in, uh, in my mind. Apparently there's a, um, a library in Australia that's put a sign up saying, to, just to let customers know that in, in a week's time, all the Lance Armstrong books will be moved from non-fiction to fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking about movie news, I just wanted to start by saying uh, kind of more of an apology because for a movie podcast, we've been dreadfully poor at reviewing current movies that are actually it's because we don't get time to go and watch them. Uh, but I have challenged myself to rectify that and start yeah. doing it this week. So this week, I plan on seeing Django Unchained, Les Miserables, mm. Gangster Squad and Life of Pi. Hopefully nice. squeeze them all into this week. Nice. So If I can get babysitter, hopefully we'll go and see uh, Django Unchained on Saturday. We can talk about that next week, but... Have you seen any non-current films this week or last week? I rewatched um Drive this week. Uh, with Ryan Gosling. Which is just such a great film. It was my favourite film of 2011. Is that is a stunt driver? Yeah. yeah. He's a stunt driver during the day and kind of like a, a getaway driver ah, at yes. night. But it's just it's such a good film. The colour schemes are amazing. The yeah. acting, the music. And yeah, I, I mean, I've got a bit of a man crush in Ryan Gosling anyway. So yeah, it was great for me. But check that out. He looks a bit too young. So I kind of didn't really give it much thought. Uh, it's, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's a great film. And again, like a cool cast. It's got Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad in it. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Kerry Mulligan as well. Who's he or she? She. <laughs> uh, she uh, was in Shame. She was in, she, I think she won an Oscar for for an education was a few that. years ago She's a really great actress and ron perlman plays right. one of the bad guys in it as oh well boy. who's just awesome so it's definitely worth checking out if you've not seen drive you no, have to get seen drive. you also have to listen to the soundtrack it is absolutely fantastic i watched tucker and dale versus evil mm. have you seen it I can't say that I have. It's no. pretty good. <laughs> Tucker and Dale. Tucker and Dale. Who are Tucker and Dale? Uh, Tucker is played by uh, Pirate Chris Steve. Yarr. Oh, right. Okay. And Dale is Tyler Labine. I think he's been in Sons of Anarchy and he was in Reaper. Did you ever used to watch that? Sock from Reaper, the big fat guy. With the beard. Oh, I, I know the guy then. Yeah. Reaper was the Kevin Smith uh, yeah. TV show. Yeah. Basically, they play two rednecks who have inherited or bought uh, an old dilapidated house out in the woods and some college kids loaded up in a van with a load of beers and all that go and camp nearby and through a series of misunderstandings um, one of the girls goes skinny dipping and falls headfirst into the pond where they're fishing so they go and rescue her all the other kids after telling us ghost story about another load of college kids being murdered 20 years previously 
think that these two rednecks have knocked her out and taken her back to her cabin. But of course, they're nursing her back to hell. <laughs> and then all these things happen where everyone thinks that the rednecks think the college kids are a suicide pack trying to kill, it, kill themselves because of all these things. That, I don't want to say too much to spoil it, but it's it's uh, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. Tucker and Dale. Tucker and Dale versus evil. Throughout the whole way you were explaining that, though, I just couldn't think in my head how much better that film would have been if it was uh, Chris Tucker and Dale Winton <laughs> that were uh, starring together in oh, that. Which one's darker, though? It's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Slightly racist, but it's a good question. Let <laughs> me cut that out. <laughs> I was uh, excited this week to learn about two films that are coming out later on this year. Oh, yes. Uh, the first one was a trailer that's just been released for a film called Stoker. Stoker? Uh, it's going to be the... About Ivor the Engine and someone putting coal in the back of him? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'd quite like to see that as well. Uh, no, it's going to be the first English language film of a guy who's one of my favourite directors, a South Korean director called Park Chan-wook. Did he do that? Any other Korean film that I've ever heard of where that swamp creature comes to life in the sewers? Not oh, the, uh, the Host. That's it. Yes. The Host. Right. It, it, it's quite good. But um, Park Chang-wook's other films, uh, he's probably most famous for directing uh, the Vengeance trilogy. Uh, it was three films, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and uh, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Uh, Never heard of any of those. They're all absolutely fantastic films. And he also direct, uh, did a film called I Am a Cyborg, but that's okay. And a really awesome vampire movie called Thirst that came out a few years ago. Uh, all of which I love. I, I'm a massive fan of Asian cinema and particularly right. South Korean films. I just love the the way that they, they light their films and the, sto- the way that they tell their stories. Just incredible. I think I've only ever seen The Host. It's the only... The Host is good, but all of these ones are better. Yeah. The Park Chan-wook ones. Uh, the fil- so this film, Stoker, is uh, produced by Ridley Scott and ah. the late Tony Scott when, okay. when he was still with us. And interestingly enough, it's written by Wentworth Miller, the lead actor from Prison Break. Right, okay. So I found that quite interesting. It's starring Nicole Kidman, Mia Wasikowska. Uh, She was the lead girl in Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland that came out the other year. And Matthew Good is a great English actor. He was in uh, Watchmen and The Single Man and quite a few other really good movies. I've never seen a trailer that looks like this before. It's absolutely mental and it it was interesting for me like as an editor yeah. the way that they've cut it together okay. because it, I've, I've just I've never seen a trailer that looks like this it looks incredible and I'm not sure if it's a horror film or a thriller <laughs> or, or a bit of both but just it looks absolutely great and just, I, I'm a massive fan of Park Chan-wook so I can't wait for that one to come out that comes out later on this year and another film that got me really excited was reading that there's going to be a third film in the series of films done by Richard Linklater starring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy so the first film was called Before Sunrise. Are you making this up? I've never no, heard any no, of no. this. They're, far, they're two, two of my favourite films, Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. So, so it's going to be before lunchtime. <laughs> uh, before Midnight, this before one's midnight, called. Before Midnight, okay. The first film, uh, it's about these two uh, young kind of 20-somethings, Jesse, who's American, played by Ethan Hawke, yep. and Celine, who's French, played by Julie Delpy who meet on a train and end up spending an entire evening together going through Vienna right. in Austria. Right. And uh, the, the sequel happened nine years later where uh, they kind of meet up in Paris, you know, almost 10 years Playing older. the same character. Yeah. Right. So this film, uh, again, is uh, it's nine years later again. Nice. But I'm not quite sure what, what angle they're going to go down. If you've never seen them, I won't, I'm trying not to give anything away, but they're... Uh, 
fantastic films, really well written. And I'm kind of a sucker for like travel movies and stuff yeah. like that. So because the first one's set in Vienna and the second one's set in Paris. Uh, I'm not quite sure where this one's set. But anyway, it just had its um, screening at Sundance. Ah. Apparently to really good reviews. And it's not got a distributor yet, but the first two films are quite popular. So hopefully it'll get picked up and be later out this year. Nice. I also tried to re-watch Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Mm. The kids weren't interested in watching it. They they just wanted Fun House on instead. Oh, you can't argue <laughs> with that. Yeah, I I wanted to watch the rest of the film, but it was just a bit very disappointing. I always loved it. Have you ever seen the TV show Spaced? I've only watched the first three episodes of it. It's it's my absolute favorite TV show of all time. But the the main char- one of the main characters, Tim, is a massive Star Wars fan, yeah. and the first series happens before the Phantom Menace, and then uh, the second series happened after it came out, and his character is absolutely furious <laughs> about it. You are so blind. You so do not understand. You weren't there at the beginning. You don't know how good it was, how important. This is it for you. This jumped-up firework display of a toy advert. People like you make me sick. What's wrong with you? Now, I don't care if you've saved up only 50 peas, okay? Take your pocket money and get out! (laughs) What a prick. Tim, can I have a word with you in my office? Yes. Have a seat, Tim. I was like you once. Blonde hair, scraggy little beard. Childlike years, full of beans and spunk. I let my principles get in the way sometimes. I punched a bloke in the face once for saying Hawk the Slayer was rubbish. Good for you. Yeah, thanks. But that's not the point, Tim. The point is, I was defending the fantasy genre with terminal intensity, when what I should have said is, Dad, you're right. But let's give Krull a try, and we'll discuss it later. The Phantom Menace was 18 months ago, Tim. I know, Bilbo. Okay, just, it still hurts. You know, that kid wanted a Jar Jar doll. Kids like Jar Jar. Why? What about the Ewoks? Hey, They were rubbish. You don't complain about them. Yeah, but Jar Jar Binks makes the Ewoks look like f***ing shaft. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In one other piece of movie news that uh, I saw today, apparently there are rumours going around the web about a potential Gremlins reboot. I saw that, but then I thought, did they need a reboot? I would say no, because as soon as I heard about it, it just distressed, absolutely nothing's been confirmed. Yeah, it's yeah. just apparently Warner Brothers are in talks with um, Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment to, to reboot the franchise. Yeah. But it's exactly the same as I felt when I heard like they were potentially doing a third Ghostbusters movie with any of the original cast, and then apparently they're doing Bill and Ted 3 now yeah. as well. And if, There's if, no original ideas anymore, is there? If history has taught us nothing through the example that was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, <laughs> is that you don't need to revisit classic works. Yeah, yeah. It just it doesn't work. I, and forevermore, there will only ever be three Indiana Jones films right. to me. Ah, the fourth yeah, one is much, dead to me. That much. It is absolutely diabolical. I love it. Why? It's got Ray Winston in it. Come on, Indy! <laughs> it's absolutely dreadful. <laughs> Ray Winston is like a pantomime character in that. It... it, it so poorly utilises what is a great cast. John Hurt's character is just... He looks bewildered being there. He's just... I felt sorry for him. I did um, try Charlotte on... Charlotte's five, my daughter. She, I tried her on Indiana Jones and the first one. 
Indiana Jones and the Raiders really of the Lost, Lost Ark. Ark. She enjoyed it up until they got to the school and they just start chatting. And she's like, this is boring now. So she liked it when the um, when he grabbed the idol and I showed her the picture of me and you holding it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's put that on the, on the website. Yeah, that was, uh, it was a good film, that. I, I get it. That was one that freaked me out, though. You know, at the end, when they open the Ark yeah, of the Covenant and, go, and they all kind of melt. Yeah. It's like, like don't open your eyes. Like Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, when the librarian goes, yeah, that freaked me out for a, at least 10 years, I think. <laughs> the film that freaked me out most that I can remember watching as a child, this is really good parenting, for someone's eighth birthday party that we went right to their house, They'd rented Batman Returns, which was right. a 15, yeah. <laughs> and a, a film called Critters 3, which was a 15 Ooh, as well. Right, okay. Well, it freaked me out watching Batman Returns. You know the scene where Penguin bites the PR guy's nose? Vaguely. Uh, it just freaked me out, man. It's just, uh, like, an eight-year-old kid should not be watching that. And then in, in Critters 3, mm. they're basically like demonic Sonic the Hedgehogs from outer right, space. Yeah. I, can, I can remember the cover, I think. Watching them now, they're hysterically funny. They're right. really, they're really good B movies, <laughs> like crappy eighties B movies. But at the time, I was just freaked out, and like they hide in like cupboards and like pop out. <laughs> so like uh, when we were growing up in the house that we grew up in, there was this cupboard that was in our bathroom. Yeah, that was like a small kind of like. Um, Did it have the wookie noise when you opened the door? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I couldn't have a bath for about two years after that without having that cupboard open right, okay. just so that I knew there were no critters inside this but cupboard. Everyone was scared of saying Candyman three times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the same principle. So yeah, Critters 3 uh, caused me years of psychological damage. Other movie news, well, it's not movie news, but it's related to movies, is Blockbusters has gone into administration. Mm, sad times. Sad times. I haven't been into a Blockbusters or rented a film from Blockbusters since 2001, when my wife, or girlfriend at the time now, wife used to work as the manager, so we used to get free movie nice. rentals. I think there was still VHSs, not even DVDs. <laughs> Shows how I, long ago it was. I've got to say, actually, I, it's with great sadness that I see Blockbuster going into administration. I'm not surprised in the slightest mm. because I don't see why you'd pay that amount of money to it's rent films be. when you can use something like Netflix or, yeah. or Love Film. Netflix but, and Love Film don't have the latest stuff. So oh, I'm sure people, I don't know how, would get it through other means. I don't know what no, you're possibly no, no, saying. Have to do that. But yeah, if, if, um, if Blockbuster had done Netflix or even just bought Netflix when it was first starting and bought, because Love Film started as a company called DVDs on Tap, um, which I used to use. So it's like £5 a month and you get delivered a DVD. The DVD comes back, you get the next one comes out, you send it back again, free post. If Blockbuster had done that, they would have sailed off. Mm. Like HMV, if they'd done a online music store and done all that sort of stuff they would have survived but i remember the chore of going down to a movie rental place and with your family and going oh should we watch this one should we watch that one and then but then secretly looking up at the top shelf stuff <laughs> i remember seeing films like porkies and going oh wouldn't it be great to watch that and it's got it's got naked ladies in it and then i watched porkies uh, maybe three or four years ago it's just utterly disappointing it's, it's so, a dreadful movie so tame yeah and when you think back when you're a sort of eight or nine look at those going ooh naughty movies <laughs> I've actually got I've got hugely fond memories of Blockbuster because Blockbuster was instrumental in my film education yeah so I didn't really grow up watching a huge amount of cinema it was only really when I was kind of at uni and stuff yeah. when I really fell in love with it and uh, started watching anything I could lay my hands on and I, I joined the blockbuster in Kirkintilloch in Glasgow where 
we used to live and um they had this deal which was you could get any three dvds yeah for five pounds over seven nights yeah so every week the bus that i got home from uni the bus stop was right outside blockbuster nice so that was like my favorite thing to do and i basically just started at a <laughs> and worked my way through but it was great because i saw all these films that i'd heard about yeah um but i'd never seen yeah. and i was able to judge them as an adult for the first time so yeah. i was i was 18 the first time i saw Technically, Ro- Rocky, adult, not mentally adult. Exactly, <laughs> but I I love blockbuster because I got to see all these great movies, and um, I I mean it's probably been at least well, well over ten years since I've rented anything from blockbuster. Yeah, even before streaming came out on the internet, I haven't rented a film because Naomi can get any film she wanted whenever she likes. We used to watch some pretty terrible films. The worst <laughs> film I've ever seen is called The Terror Beneath Loch Ness. <laughs> <laughs> the premise is. From what I can remember, some American students go over to Loch Ness for a holiday and they will slowly start getting killed. But the start of the film is all this sort of misty shots of Loch Ness and all moody and stylized. And then it cuts to what is clearly a lake in Southern California. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> There's massive sunlight on the hills with no trees on them whatsoever. It's got some of the worst computer-generated graphics I've ever seen. You see Nessie going through the rocks at some point, and you can see the rocks are literally made of polygons. They're not even... They don't look like... They're, it looks like a bad computer game, and it's just got some terrible acting, some terrible Americans doing Scottish accents. It's not even so bad that it's good. It's just... It's like they just couldn't care less about what they were doing. It's unbelievable. But I, I wouldn't have watched that without Blockbuster. Just a, a little note for any Scottish listeners out there. When JQ says Loch Ness, he really means Loch Ness, which is uh, how the word is Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I don't do the accent properly. <laughs> I, I believe Shrek's just entered the uh, studio. So um, Lake Ness. <laughs> Lake Loch Ness. I love when uh, Napoleon Dynamite refers to it as Lake Loch Ness, <laughs> Lake in, Loch Ness. Uh, in Napoleon Dynamite. Interesting piece of trivia about the actual uh, film Loch Ness with yep. Ted Danson. From about the kind of mid nineties, Jolie. Seen that it, or heard of it? It's not amazing, right? But it's definitely worth a watch. It's again great cast. Ted Danson's in it. Yep. Julie Richardson. Okay. And Ian Holm ah, okay. as well. Bilbo. Yes. Well, one interesting fact about that movie is that it was uh, the most expensive ever made for TV movie in history. I, I, that must have been surpassed by now. But another interesting fact. The small girl that's in the film. Yeah. The girl who was my girlfriend in primary school. Primary was, school? Yeah. <laughs> finished uh, runner-up to the girl that ended up playing her in, uh, for the part in that film. Nice. So there you go. Charlotte was messing around with uh, Netflix on the telly the other day. She likes dinosaurs for some reason, so she picked... Oh, let's watch this. It's called Dinotopia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a terrible made-for-TV movie about dinosaurs. It had David Theredis in it as well. Really? Yeah, it was just the really bad CG dinosaurs as well that clearly weren't in. Well, oh, that's terrible. I can't stand made for TV movies. As soon as you start watching it, you think this is made for TV movie. Mm. I don't know how they must get specific directors of photography to shoot them so they look like they're made for telly. <laughs> it's unbelievable. One of the worst films that I saw in recent years was I was attracted by the name more than anything else was. Uh, Mega shark versus giant octopus. <laughs> it, it's like like you were describing with the terror beneath Loch Ness, where there is n- not really a budget, so they've got like these horrendous actors, yeah. and their CGI budget is about less than the T budget, probably. Exactly, but to the point where any time the mega shark is swimming through the water, <laughs> yeah. it's the same shot repeated four <laughs> times and sometimes flipped. Yeah, yeah, fl- yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just absolutely dreadful. 
terrible. So I've, bad, it's bad. I've got a film called Shark to Puss to watch. I think that's made by the same people. Probably, yeah. So yeah. That's on my list of terrible films to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Movie Digest. I've been JQ. And I have been Finn. See you next week. Bye. Bye.